Welcome to another episode of The Carmudgeon Show, recorded at an undisclosed place at an undisclosed time about undisclosed topics. And The Carmudgeon Show is part of the Undisclosed Podcast Network. Redacted. Haggerty Podcast Network. Jason Camisa, <laughs> Derek Tam, hyphen Scott. In this episode, we do uh, back by somewhat popular demand. Yeah. Uh, by us um random number generated car reviews uh we get a number from paulo and then potential hilarity or information or disaster or internal contradiction ensues cognitive dissonance this is the cognitive our dissonance specialty episode. um yeah we talk about cars that we've driven over the years and give a really quick review and then argue about them um, all part of the magic formula that is the Haggerty podcast network slash car Imagine show Yes. You need to clap. We're on the air. Sorry. I am st- starting uh, the spreadsheet up. <laughs> Booting up the spreadsheet. Uh, that's right. Uh, so I guess this means we're doing a spreadsheet episode. Mine is, is wood powered, so I had to, you know, <laughs> put the newspaper in, and kindling, and <laughs> yeah, started the fire and wait till the steam exactly. boils. So yeah, it's you know perfectly on brand for you. I'm so surprised you have an Apple machine and not like some sort of Dell from the 1970s, well, 80s. Yeah, Apple IIe. Uh, mine doesn't have a GUI. I have to code everything. TRS-80 in. and you have to do it all in text. Uh, okay, Paolo's going to give us some numbers, and we can get started. Okay. Paolo, what says your random number generator? 724. 724. That is the area code for Western Pennsylvania outside of Pittsburgh. Westmoreland County is 724. Where there was a Volkswagen uh, factory. Which became a Sony TV factory and then I think went out of business. It was in um, Newstand when I lived in Greensburg, which was one town over. It was very cool to take my Volkswagen to the... Volkswagen factory in which it was not built. Okay. In which it was not built, yes. And did they have currywurst there? Well, it was a Sony factory when, when oh, I was there. Oh, yes, so it I was would, no longer, no, no currywurst not. anymore. Yep. You know that currywurst is a thing that, uh, yes, we've talked about how Volkswagen has a dedicated part number Isn't for that currywurst. their best-selling part? Oh, yes, they make yeah. more currywurst than any other p- part number that the company produces. But currywurst is two parts. It's wurst, which is a, like basically think frankfurter, yeah. and then curry ketchup on top of it, which is... Mm-hmm. And then there's a separate part number for the plates also. Of course. You can't have like, you know, just one part number for an engine. Yes. Um, all right. Number 724, 2019. Oh, a contemporary automobile. 2019 McLaren Senna, uh, pearl yellow. <laughs> <laughs> of course, your modern car would be unattainable. Um, it, uh, I, I, so the Senna I liked because it scared me. And a lot of modern cars don't, I don't feel anything when I drive them. And I liked the Senna because it scared me. The other thing that I enjoyed is that it has the glass lower parts of the doors. Uh, and so I'm like, oh, this is a car you have to wear pants to drive. And I, I enjoy that, you know, characteristic of it. I would enjoy not wearing pants and seeing if, no one can really see that much in, can they? Yeah, I mean, they can tell whether you're wearing pants or not. Yeah, I would I would have like red ruby glittery high heels on there just to fucking make everyone laugh. Yes. Um uh, have you driven? I drove Senna? that Senna and the it, yellow one. I don't remember. This was the yellow, was. yellow one. But it it was. Horrifying. You drove a white one. Oh. You drove the white one with the blue interior. Sure, if you say so. I just remember that that's a 
that's a flat plane V8 and it's mm-hmm. quite out of balance. And the, it, uh, in all the McLaren cars, it gives a left, right, um, sort of shimmy mm-hmm. and that it's noticeable in all the other cars. And it was violent in the, in the center, just that idle, the whole car, yeah. everything was shaking. It was cool. When you, f- I, I was photographing this car and I remember I left it idling and, uh, you can actually see the body panels visibly vibrating yeah. on the outside of the car when it's idling because, you know, the car is so pared down and also because it idles a little bit rough. But I thought that was cool. The car has genuine texture and character yeah. for a modern car and is terrifying. So I, I despite the polarizing looks, uh, I, I found the car to be interesting. I, I mean, I just looked it up. I drove that car in 2020. Um, and I said it's intimidating thanks to the mail slot windows, but I do like the glass in the lower doors. Apparently I liked it. Seats are narrow and confining. UI is typically McLaren, a bit hodgepodge. Engine is coarse and rough and shakes the whole car, which I like. Turbo lag is 80s level. Steering is brilliant, but nowhere, as, nowhere near as alive as the 570S or even 600LT. It doesn't much want to self-center and there's none of the fizz on center. It's fast as fuck though, especially at higher speeds when the traction control finally lets it have its way with me. Backup camera in the center gauges is dumb because the wheel blocks the display when maneuvering. Lightweight stereo is surprisingly good. I need more time in it. I'm sure it's ridiculous in its capability, but I'm not sure I want that much of it. Yeah. That's the thing. It's just too much. Terror. Yeah. Um, okay, so it was 724. I need to go back to... Uh, uh, 724. What? Oh, okay. 2009 Infinity QX56. Uh, I don't... What the hell is this thing doing in the Infinity lineup? Other than a heated steering wheel and some nice Infinity infotainment stuff, it has no business wearing the Infinity logo. Sure, the five-speed automatic is brilliant at rev-matched downshift, and the big V8 is crazy powerful. This is their Nissan Armada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but that's the only Infinity-esque-ness to this crude machine. The motor is coarse and full of vibes. The suspension is awful. I've not pogoed so much in any modern car since the Bay Rally Limousine, which is an 83 <laughs> yes. Fuel economy is dismal. 13s in the normal driving. The radio controls are so far away I can't reach half the buttons. Now really, who needs a vehicle this big? Which is ironic given the fact that I would have an F-150 Raptor R. Yeah. But, you know. Um, you were not reacting to the bigness. You were reacting to the badness. Yeah, I think it was big and bad. I'm happy with big and good. Yes. Clearly. Uh, interesting. QX56. Not um, a Land Cruiser not substitute. A, what the hell is this thing doing in the Infinity lineup? Ouch. And this was in 2009 when, like, Infinity was great-ish. Paolo? 717. 717, which is the area code for... That, that is. 717 is Eastern Pennsylvania. So we've gone from Western PA to Eastern PA, right? Hold on, I gotta look this up. <laughs> 717 area... In the meantime... Yes, yeah, that's like, you know, central sort of Eastern PA. Anyway, okay, <laughs> sorry. I'm a repository of weird uh, area codes, apparently. Okay. Oh, you go. Okay. Um, this was a 2016 Mazda Miata Black. So this was the first ND I ever drove. It did not have LSD, and it was like a base trim car that was a manual. Uh, and I had just spent a long weekend in a an NC2, mm-hmm. and then I got into this ND1, and then I was like, holy shit, it's worse. 
And like my assumption mm. was that this was the moment, this this weekend was the moment that I realized that the NC was better than the ND. If you get the right trim level. The problem was that it had an open diff and I did this on Mines Road, which is, you know, is kind of a tortuous with a lot of tight hairpins. I just remember a lot of like one wheel peel mm. and body control motions were also really highlighted on that road. So that was an interesting experience because my assumption was that, yeah, it weighs 500 pounds or whatever it is less than the NC. It's going to be much better and cooler. And I was found myself frustrated by trying to hustle the car, which is a recurring ND theme. Trait. I maintain ND is a better daily driver than NC, uh, but NC is better. But my hustling. tolerances for d- daily ability are so low because I'm used to driving yeah. old cars. And so an NC mm-hmm. feels modern to yeah, me because too. I'm used to old shitty cars. I would have an, I would buy an NC2 over an NC, ND2. Yeah. So. Um, my number 717 is a 2009 Nissan Altima 2.5. <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, Subdued drive with passengers. So I, unlike all other Altima drivers, actually drove reasonably. But the Altima CVT lends itself perfectly to this kind of driving. And the 4 is reasonably quiet and definitely powerful enough. No V6 needed here. Uh, I don't know where the hell I was because the same day I drove an F, a Ferrari F430 Spider F1. Uh, and the day after I drove a Jag XF supercharged. I don't know what the hell it was. Whatever. Okay. That's, Ultima. That is my Eastern Pennsylvania area code number. Hello? 881. That is not an area code that I know of. Okay. 881 for me is November of 2009. I drove a 2010 Mazda, Mazda Speed 3, 50 miles, and said, I'm sorry, I just don't like the, the Mazda Speed 3. Of course, it's quick. The suspension is good. It's not bad to drive, but it's no better than the regular Mazda 3. In fact, it's not as good. I want the better seats and better balance from the last car. The nav display and interface is a friggin' joke. And the torque steer, a virtue? Fuck you. That's like someone kicking you in the balls and telling you it's a compliment in some faraway land. Tuner cars are fun for a few minutes, but after that, I want a GTI. Mm. Ooh, that was damning. And also, I use a lot of bad language. How rude. How very rude of me. Uh, For me, 881 is a 1957 Porsche Speedster. (laughs) Uh, Oh, Outlaw. This one uh, was the one that had the Carrera engine. Oh, Jesus. So this engine was, I mean... In with two valves per cylinder and carburetors, Porsche got 100 horsepower per liter out of this engine in race trim. It is a really spicy meatball. It is just. Was that the four cam yes. career engine? Yeah. Yes. So that's the four cam. No Ernst timing Foreman. chain, no timing belt. Yeah, it's all it's gears, gears, which means all the tolerances stack up. So, like, rebuilding one of these is really expensive and complicated because it's just. But what a characterful, I mean, it just absolute raucous noises and. Twin ignition, which is kind of cool too. So the startup procedure is kind of neat because you have separate switches for each side for each ignition system. So there's like two ignition switches, like buttons, and then the key for the starter also. So huh. it's like feels like an old timey airplane or something yeah, where you have to gonna... make sure. Yeah, exactly. So that's cool. Uh, and this thing had no roof at all or no, no side windows. I mean, what a like outrageous sensory overload hmm. of a car that's like overpowered with a very expensive engine so you like are really tempted to give it the beans but also you're like mm, this engine is like they're mm, like a hundred thousand dollar engines right more oh wow they're like more like two hundred thousand to Holy for one shit. of those for a fucking engine, four just for the engine i mean for yeah. a beetle four cylinder yeah i mean the engine was used in the 550 spider and the rs60 and the 904 all of their dedicated race cars and then they're like okay we'll put them in some street cars too mm. and this was one of those yeah. cars is that the only street car 
Uh, no, with timing gears. The a Maserati, lot of pre-war cars. Yeah, but modern. I mean, you know, post-war. Um, modern. Uh, Maserati MC12, I believe, had oh, yes. timing gears instead of the belt. Yeah, and um, Alfa's old 8Cs, but that's not post-war. Mm. Uh, like, and Bugatti's would do that also. Mm. Interesting. Okay, Paolo. 266, Lancer Sport Max, Sport Brake, uh, 266. You're in the Mitsubishi area. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the many, many 2,660-something. Is there all coming up? No, it's okay. All right, hold on. I just got to get back to 266. You, Derek, you can go first. 1969 Citroen DS21 Palace in mm. brown. This car was dark brown with a... Yellow vinyl roof. No. Uh, and it actually looked great. Of course. Uh, it was a U.S. car. U.S. Citroëns were sold in the U.S. market till the end of the 72 model year. And this one originally belonged, I think, to the chief executive of Citroën USA. It was beautifully restored. Had like a br- It was dark brown with like a saddle brown in leather interior. Oh my God. It was, and it was just gorgeous and everything worked beautifully. It had vi- uh, uh, blinds in the rear window. It was just such an experience. Citromatic, which is a very strange experience. Mm-hmm. It's a manual transmission that the car controls. Uh, so it does all the clutch work for you. And then the surprisingly well. Yeah, as well as or better than a Ferrari F1. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has a very strange shift arrangement also. So it's just total maximum Citroen, especially because it's a Palace, which is the like luxury trim model, which has all the extra stainless and the plusher seats. And, the, you know, it's just everything that maximum everything that a Citroen should be uh okay so I find it funny that the t-shirt I'm wearing is from Srayton at M539 Designs in Frankfurt and this car is his even though this is a period thing so he his favorite of all of his cars is his E60 M5 manual his US spec car Mm-hmm. Uh, that he's done a whole bunch of videos on great channel great videos great guy uh this was july, june 5th of 2007 i drove uh an m5 six speed an 07 m5 six speed i waited so long to drive this car and i'm so disappointed i can't believe how passionless it is mm. and this mdm which is m dynamic mode not being able to turn off dsc shit is unbearable i don't have I don't have to have one. In fact, I don't much like it. I'd rather have a 550i. The ride is much better. It feels every bit as fast and the engine sounds better from inside the car. I'm deeply, deeply disappointed. Perhaps with no DSC, I'd like it better and that wouldn't give it the personality that the old M5s had. Shame. I mean, Ouch. this is the transition between BMW being at the top of the world and and the path that leads us to now. Because I feel like if you drove that car now, your reaction to it would be quite different. Because yes. you've now seen how far BMW has, has fallen yeah. from that moment. And so this was the first moment where they made something that wasn't as good as what was before. But it was probably still decent enough compared to where we are now. See, I'm not even sure I agree with that. First of all, I don't agree with myself, and then I don't even think I agree with that. I think the E60 M5 was a spectacular car to drive. I hated the way it looked. I still do. I do too. Um, but I, that engine is unfucking believable that V10. Um, and I don't think it sounds bad in the car. I think it's grovelly for sure. Um, gravelly. Gravelly. Not gravelly. Gravelly. Yeah, gravelly. <laughs> please, please, please. Um, yeah, no, it's gravelly and it's it's not amazing. It sounds better outside than it does inside. But to drive, I think that car is pretty, pretty goddamn good. It's better steering than the So E39. then what didn't you like about it? 
I'm why sure do you think- I drove many after this. And what it was is there's a mismatching gearing between the, the motor and the transmission. First of all, the shift throws BMW Germany did not want to make a manual period. So the U S asked them for it. They said, absolutely not. And then the SMG car didn't sell. So BMW M in Germany was forced to put a manual transmission in it. They didn't want to, and they had no budget to do so. So they threw in the 550i's manual with the big, long, rubbery BMW throws. Um, and the gear ratios just didn't match the engine's torque curve. So you really fall out of the, the VTEC, if we use a word, right? Fall out of the engine's fury right. zone. More um, RPM equals more torque in that engine, which means that if you don't have any RPM, you don't have any torque and yeah. you're not going anywhere. And the six-speed was too widely spaced for that. So mm-hmm. you have this situation where you have a it's car like having that really feels bad big turbo and heavy. Lag. <laughs> yeah, but it feels big and heavy and you know it's like unbelievable and you shift in the next gear and then it's dead. Um, and then uh, the shift throws were too long and the whole, n- none of the control weights matched. It just wasn't... Harmonious. It wasn't fully baked. Yeah. And the SMG, as terrible as that transmission was when you were driving it normally, when you were hauling ass, worked better, in fact. Um, so I have mixed feelings, and I kind of don't agree with myself here. But overall, I don't like the car, that and I wouldn't have one. Eight. Yeah. Um, but they do drive well. I'll give it that. Okay. Paolo? He's working on editing our last episode already. Four. 400 even. Oh, there's going to be a million of those. Right. 400. I have, in October of 2007, I drove a 2008 Subaru Impreza WRX. This was a one-year car. So for 2008, that was a new body style of Impreza, or a new body style of WRX, and Japan killed off the WRX and called it the Impreza GT, I believe. And it was wretched. Is that why it was one year only? Yeah. Um, All-stars. This was automobile all-stars. This is the worst car here. Yeah, it's relatively quick, but it's no fun at all. It has no charm, no personality, and no fire in its eyes. In fact, it's horrid. Brakes feel like shit until they hit the floorboard and stop working entirely. Unacceptable. Not much in the way of steering feel until the horrible kick back back breaks your thumbs. The magic, kids, is gone, especially when a Volvo C30 is more fun and faster, and a Malibu is more involving seriously. That car was so fucking terrible that I will, <clears throat> one of the, I called, when I went on the, the initial drive of this car, I pulled the, a, a PR person from, from Subaru aside and I said, you need to help me here because I'm not seeing a single fucking thing to be happy about. And the response was, you need to do your review. Here's what I can point out. It no longer has frameless windows, so it's quieter on the highway. It has more rear, like an inch of more legroom whatever, blah, blah, blah. They went down the the list of all the positives. And then the final thing was slam the shit out of us. And the reason why was there was a Subaru, there was a fight between Subaru of America who wanted a WRX and Subaru of Japan who said, no, 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 people don't want a WRX. They've gotten older and they want a GT. So we're going to make this nice, soft, quiet, insulated car. And that's replacing the WRX. But Subaru of America badged it a WRX because it was a big seller for us and it was a huge image maker. Um, and I remember reviewing the 2009 and i said leave it to um a subaru like a rally company to do the world's fastest e-brake 180 because that the 09 fixed everything mm-hmm. um they really did the fastest about face i've ever seen in the car industry like oh shit this is not going to work for the u.s okay we'll put it back to the way it was mm-hmm. so, interesting good car. for them yeah really good for them that was a i was very proud of subaru because you know how the germans would do they would just be like this is better techno we've decided it's better and it would take them 15 years to admit their mistake Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, did you hear the rumors about the next that about next year's C 
63 AMG. That they're going back to V8? Yes. Yes, I did. This, If this happens, this will be the first time ever, I think, that Mercedes has admitted a huge fuck up. Because that C63 is obviously now a four-cylinder. I haven't seen one. I haven't driven one. After I say this, Mercedes is probably not going to let me have one anyway. But fuck that fucking that 4,000 pounds. 5,000 pounds. 5,000 pounds C-Class. No. Yeah, it's something like, it's 4,700 pounds. It's something like, don't quote me, it's beyond obese. Because it's the hybrid and it's turbo and it's a blah, 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 and shit. Everyone I've talked to who's driven has absolutely hated it. If they go back to a V8, that'll be the fastest about face any German company has ever made. Mm. We'll see if it happens. I am praying yeah. with both hands, whatever, <laughs> however you yeah. pray most however assertively. People pray. Uh, for me, number 400 is 1987 Ferrari Testarossa Straman convertible conversion. It's black. Uh, so Straman did, I forget, I think it was like a dozen conversions of these things where they cut the roof off of them uh, because the factory never made, well, that's not true. They made one silver concept car, which they gave to Johnny Agnelli as a birthday present. Uh, but there was never a factory convertible production Testarossa. And Straman did uh, two black ones. The other one was black on black, and the other was black on tan. And this was the black on tan one. But the black on black one was used by Michael Jackson in the Pepsi ad. So you can go YouTube the Pepsi ad with the Ferrari Testarossa convertible in it with Michael Jackson. You ever? This is it's kind of iconic. Um, it's not the ad where his hair caught on fire, is it? Uh, my dad have been, was there. Might have been. I don't my, know. My dad worked. It was an advertising, had the Diet Pepsi account, had the Pepsi account, and was there when Michael Jackson's hair caught on fire. And Whoopsies. Yeah, that was a bad day. Uh, anyway. So this is the other the other black car. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the car is much better with a roof. <laughs> <laughs> much, much better with a roof. Like some of the worst scuttle shake I have ever experienced. That's what happens when you take a car that was never meant to be a convertible and cut the structure out of it. Yeah. So sure. good to like, I guess if you like that aesthetic and the rarity and the story, cool, but uh, like quite alarming as a driving experience. <laughs> they look great. Yeah. I mean, it looks cool for sure. Okay. Bello. Six, six, seven. Six, seven. Wow. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> oh, this is up your, uh, this was on a launch in Portugal for the 997. Mm. Dot two, it must have been 2007. No, yeah, dot the 0.2 yeah. came out for the 09 model year, so this was an 07, yeah. So, this, this was the first direct been. injected. Wow, that's what it was. It was no, it was a Targa launch. That was because oh. I drove a Targa 4 and a Targa 4S. Um, and I said, structural rigidity feels worse than the Cabrio, even though it's not. Pasm rocks my world, fast, lovely, but why not have the Cabrio? I mean, that's what the market did also, which yeah. is why Targas are so rare. The Targa, if I remember correctly, had 50% of the structural rigidity of the, the coupe and the convertible was 33 or something like that. It was it was quite a lot, quite a, a bit more rigid than the convertible was, but I didn't see the point in it. There's an interesting product planning choice, which they have, I think, persistently done since the 997, which is that the Targa is only available with four-wheel drive. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and for a while also, they didn't give you the... The hotter engine but now you can get a gts targa but it's always been an interesting sort of like random aside mm -hmm. it's never sold well yeah. you know initially targas dominated for decades because the cabriolet didn't exist mm -hmm. and then it's sort of been a slow continuous death of the targa since then but yeah. to their credit they tried to redo the targa formula with the targa bar mm -hmm. when the 991 came out but i still think nobody really seems to have cared i, I agree um 
For me, 67 is a red 1991 Alfa Romeo 164S. Mm. One of three red 1991 164Ss sequentially on my list. Oh, uh, okay. That, uh, so this one is not the one I owned. Uh, this is the one that you and I went and looked at. There was a black one, a Quadrifoglio, and a red S. And mm. I drove both of those cars. Uh, and... This one was actually had like 160,000 miles and was strangely super clean. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think maybe the AC didn't work. uh, And I elected not to buy it because I was going to buy the 50,000 mile black quadrifolio that sounded like just genuine sex. Top five best engines I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, that black quad. Uh, And then I took it for PPI and I was think I was going to pay like 10 grand or something for the car. And they were like, yeah, it needs eight grand of work. And I was like, perhaps not. So then I ended up buying neither of them and bought a much shittier 164 with a lot less miles later. And that was also shitty. So I should have bought. This is the one I should have bought, even though it had so many. The the red red one that was really nice, but had a lot of miles. No, you need the 24 valve. That Uh, one, that 24 valve sounded the 12 valve ones sound good too. Yeah, but an order of magnitude greater. I mean, that 24 valve. I think was, a lot of it was the exhaust on the black car. It was probably had a hole uh, anyway, in it. Anyway, it's just my. <laughs> it had uh, Magna flows. Oh. Um, yeah, so this is. I, I probably will own another 164 at some point. As you should. Okay. Next one, Pellet? 948. 948. Ooh. Uh, this is on March 24th, 2010. I drove a 2010 Suzuki Kazashi six speed manual is uh, okay. And then I drove a, a modified a one. That's a car. What number is this? Sorry. Nine, nine, four, eight, nine, four, eight. Okay. Headroom is at a premium in this car, especially with a helmet quite good on the track with hyper, maybe even manic turn in and good balance does well on the track until the sudden unexpected brake failure tries to kill you. Thank God I turned off ESP fully so I could throw the car sideways, avoiding a meeting with the wall and turn two at Laguna Seca. Not good. So that car lasted approximately another what was 10 the minutes. Context here. So we were at, uh, why is there a track prepared Suzuki Kizashi? There wasn't. This was at um, Watch Western Automotive Journalists, which is a, a Northern California-based uh, group of automotive journalists. There's kind of one in every city. There's like MPG Motor Press Guild is in uh, LA. And this is the sort of NorCal version of MPG. And they would do, it kind of don't really happen anymore, but a day where you would go, or a couple days where you meet in Monterey and you have a day or two to drive 30 or 30 or so different cars on the street and then most of them are also available for drive on track one day so mazda would buy uh who was the title sponsor would buy uh buy one day at laguna seca for us and then two days on the road and so you'd be able this was an opportunity for kind of smaller local journalists to just bang through 30 cars and just get 30 reviews out of a couple days um and uh, I think that's what this was because there was that, there was an Acura TL, there's a ton of shit. Yeah, it's all, they're all on track. Um, so yeah, that's what this was. And uh, that Kazashi, I remember getting out of it and saying, full brake failure, pedal on the floor. I What I did was a Scandi flick into turn two and just kind of came to a sideways almost halt and avoided the wall. Came right in, flashers on, I'm like, do not let the car go back out. The Suzuki PR guy looked right at the tech and said, journalists don't know how to drive right in front of me and said, don't worry about it. Sent the editor-in-chief of another magazine out and he put it right into the wall. First lap. So apparently the brakes did completely give out. Brilliant. So yeah, that was fun. Well, what a, one of the world's finest cars, I guess. <laughs> it was a cute little car, but you know. Not so good at Laguna. 
what the, who the fuck is going to track a Kazashi? Okay, sudden, complete brake fade to the point where you go from having brakes to Was it just none, from overheated? Probably. I mean, it's probably air in the lines, but I mean, I would have pumped it. I don't know. Who knows? What, who knows? A brake hose could have broken for all we know. I mean, whatever. Not a great showing for the Suzuki Kazashi at Laguna Seca. <laughs> but I didn't crash it. I mean, what a shocker that is. Yeah. I'm genuinely shocked to hear that outcome. But <laughs> the more you know, it's the answer to a question that no one has ever asked. So ask me about 948 again and you'll get a Kazashi story. Uh, for me, 948 is a 1972 Porsche 911S sunroof coupe in Albert Blue. Uh, the owner of this car was using it as a daily driver and had like his baby seat and everything and he hated the car. Uh, and he's not really a Porsche guy and he said, I don't get what the big deal is with these cars and they're dumb. Uh, <laughs> and he, you know, daily driving an I-11S is probably not the car to, to do that with. In those days, it was very interesting to put, the, you know, at that time you could buy the 911TE or S, uh, which would be the least spicy to most spicy car. And they were all the same displacement, which means that the horsepower difference that you got between them, which was like, I think it ranged from 140 to 190 horsepower, all from the same displacement, which tells you a lot about the state of tune of these cars. And the S was a really aggressive, peaky cam, kind of like full-on race car stuff that they would put in, you know, because this was in the days where the people who bought Porsches were like, yes, I'm interested in motorsports and driving quickly, and I'm going to buy it and spend an extra, you know, seven, eight or nine thousand dollars for the TE and S. And so it was a meaningfully more expensive car with a lot more aggressive state of tune but if you put all three of the cars next to each other and did performance tests the e was actually faster to 60 miles an hour and it wasn't until like 100 or 120 or something where the s started to be faster which tells you a lot about the car's power delivery so nothing and, nothing nothing a lot and then a lot of coming on cam right uh and you know nowadays no one would you know, porsche would not sell cars like that to the public because you know you have to be a really seasoned enthusiast type driver to really be all up down with the differences that come with that and and now as collectors are buying cars you say well i want the s that's the fastest one uh and then you you bump up into these sort of changes in philosophy about how the s is actually not in the real world is not the fastest car the e is probably the fastest car short of an, an rs which has 2.7 liters instead of 2.3 liters it's badge is a 2.4 but it's actually 2340 something cc's uh which is the typical german thing where you round up to the next closest tenth rather than rounding to the closest you round up well it's because so german one. taxes are done by by 100 cc or portion there portion of the next hundred yeah so that was an interesting experience. I mean, it's a real-world demonstration where if someone's trying to daily uh, the hottest car, it's like, yeah, it's, the plugs are cold and the cam timing's aggressive and the car's grumpy and it's just not a great type of daily experience. But, you know, that gets lost in the narratives of time where you're just like, no, no, this is the fastest one. It's got 190 horsepower instead of 170 right. horsepower. you got to buy that one. Um, but, yeah, so this is uh, this was a different time when you really had to get cam timing and look at the shape of a power curve and decide whether the car was or wasn't for you. But yeah, you now know. with variable valve timing and variable yeah, intake, and, you can and do computer controlled everything. Yeah, nothing it, is miserable. Everything is torque everywhere. And it was not the not that way. Yeah, it was like race car for the road closer to mm -hmm. that spirit because that was the 70s. Yeah. Anyway, cool. that's that car. Yeah. Hello? 1119. 1119. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. This, no, 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 it's your turn. 
Is it? I yes. Okay. I just did the 911. Well, I did the first, whatever. Uh, 2011 Honda Civic, which is the uh, wacky design, the first year of that. Is that the one that they did a, a quick e-brake 180 on also? Or is that 2012? No, that was the earlier one. So later, I thought 2012 was there was something where they came out with yeah. a, a a single year only thing where they were like, ooh, ooh everyone shit. hated it, and then it, the Consumer Reports didn't recommend them, and it was the end of times, and then they did a quick, uh, not so mid cycle refresh, early cycle refresh. This has got to be a comparison test because the same day I drove a Hyundai Elantra, a Toyota Corolla, a Volkswagen Jetta S. Oh my fucking god, this car is horrible, and a Civic. Um, so all at the same time. So tries too hard to be tries too hard, so hard to be modern that it winds up appealing to another age group. Um, nice to drive though. Expansive dash feels open, has style. Even if I don't like it quieter than Corolla, good brake feel, small steering wheel, four speed gearing, meaning four speed gearing, even though it's five speed, yeah. uh, best switch gear in the group, uh, turn signals fastest Corolla. That's all I wrote. Okay. Um, that Sounds was a, pretty unremarkable. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think, I mean, Corolla, no self-respecting young person would buy this. Hyundai, wow, as usual, as usual, shockingly good. So I'm guessing Elantra won that one. And the Jetta was, oh my God, it's bad. OMFG, where is it? Uh, Jetta S. OMFG, the car is horrible. The 2.0 is overtaxed beyond belief in this thing. Transmission is fabulous, but it's not enough to make up for the engine's coarseness, lack of power, and the was terrible Was that a 2.0 slow? Yep. Yeah. At least the five-cylinder has nicer steering, a nicer steering wheel that doesn't feel like a toy. Ugh. Brake pedal has an initial nothingness in first half. Two inches of travel. Short gears, 45 miles an hour, you're going into third. Far more headroom than the uh, than the Elantra. Shitty, tinny door sounds. All black, no frills. Dour interior. Quiet and a great turning radius. So, bonus Jetta review. Okay. Uh, 1119 for me was uh, Rolls, 2006 uh, Rolls-Royce Phantom. You are such a twat. <laughs> I'm mean, um, like here doing fucking like, you know, a Kano <laughs> sedan reviews and you're doing a Rolls Royce. Um, the Phantom is a guilty pleasure car of mine. You just, I don't know if, if for what it does, it, it feel modern cars. Like I said, are usually you're pretty boring and continuous and dull. And this car doesn't do that. This car feels special. It feels extraordinary. You've driven a Phantom, I'm sure of some mm, kind. Yeah, second, I'm sure you have. Phantom, second. I'm sure it's true of of the first one and the second one, but you're just like, oh, the steering wheel is very slim. Like there's no tachometer. Like you're covered, you're surrounded by wooden leather. The carpets are this thick. It's quiet. You just feel expensive and important. It's like trying on a different outfit. It's being a different person for a day. And the car's really good at that. It feels, you know, unlike a Bentley, which, you know, now as we've discussed somewhat recently, it, it occupies a different space from Rolls-Royce where Rolls-Royce is really in an order different order higher of sort of premiumness it really does feel special the the phantom and you know get the suicide doors and the inlaid wood mirror things and the c pillars and umbrellas and all that shit it's just like okay i see why this thing costs so much and it's it's a neat experience it's apparent why yeah why it costs so much and the the weird thing about those cars is you get out of them you don't realize how quiet they are Mm -hmm. until you're like oh it's not that quiet and then you get into anything else and you're like why is this range rover so loud yes it's just deafening by comparison Hmm. all right next one 1693 i can't count that high Ooh. What the hell car was this? I'm very confused because this says 2011 BMW 325i automatic. And yet it's nice to be back in this E46. 
Maybe you were making a joke about how it feels like an E46. No, or you entered because, the year wrong. Okay, I entered the year wrong because this is my mom's car, I think. Yeah, I put 500 miles on. This is my mom's car. So this is a uh, oh, so 2001. Year. So I'm changing the year. Two, oh, oh, so 2001, 2011, you see what yes. happened. Um, this was a silver black E46. Oh, this is the one that the guy stole and crashed yeah. and died in, but didn't die in because he, the car was... He lived, I think, uh, we, I was just talking to my sister about this because it got stolen out of her driveway and we think he's now dead because she was getting updates every couple months as a victim of a crime from him. She would get emails uh, from the state saying like, he's now been incarcerated here, he's moved here, he's done that. He was just constantly being arrested and that has all now suddenly stopped. Um, so the assumption is he has died. He's probably died, yeah. Um, but he, I don't- or cleaned up. I'll, the pic, we'll put the pictures in he, or clean his shit up um, or just hasn't been moved from one prison to another for, for a while. But uh, I don't know how he survived this fucking accident. I mean, this was really proof of how well engineered that car was for side impact. Um, so the guys were, they stole it and they were driving. They went straight through a stop sign and got T-boned in the driver's left ankle by a Chevy full-size pickup whose cruise control was set on 70 and he never braked. So it was a 70 mile an impact, an hour impact basically right into the driver. Um, and the driver was unbelted, the passenger was unbelted, and they both lived. The passenger was able to run, there's blood all over the interior, but the passenger was able to run, t took the drugs and ran. <clears throat> the driver was pinned in, but they cut him out and he lived and was out of the hospital within a month and a half, I think, and in, in jail. Um, but uh, Tax loved, dollars at work. I loved the 46. I'm not going to read it. It's great. It's, I've, I've blown my wad on the story about how that car died. Yeah. What is your... I don't count that high. You, oh, you don't count to 1693? Mm-mm. Okay. Um, 296. 296. That's a Ferrari. Yes. Also, I put 296 V6. miles on a G63 AMG once. 2296 is 308 GTS Quattro Vavole. Ooh. 296 GTB. I love that car. 296. Okay. Go for it. Mine's a motorcycle. Does that count? Mm, <laughs> no. <laughs> I guess not. Uh, I'm kidding. Do it. Okay. Uh, it was a 2011 Ducati Monster 1100. Uh, this was in... Oh, sorry. 2013. Oh, this was in Italy. Um, <laughs> I, As one does. Uh, they have this thing where you get and get a guide, you can get a guide and they put you in a group with like a few other motorcyclists and you just ride around in the, the mountains in the Apennini near the factory for a few days. Uh, so I did this with one of my friends in 2013. Uh, it was a lot more comfortable to do that than on my bike that I then owned, which was a super bike, an 848. So yeah, that was riding around in Italy for four days or whatever it was. Well, at least I'm pretty fancy this time because this is a 2008 Mercedes GL 550. Pretty damn good for its size. Feels small from behind the wheel. Back roads are dealt with no problemo. Brakes started to smell a little. 21s <laughs> offer huge grip, but you can feel their weight moving around. Still, they look great with the best of the rest of the body revisions and make a fast-selling truck even nicer. Mm, and this I? was during the era when they were intending... Sorry, what year was this? 2008. 
So this is when they were still thinking they might replace the Gelendewagen with this with thing. The GLS, yeah. And then they realized that's, GL, yeah. that is a form of actually Mercedes turning around and changing their plans. That's right? true. Because they that's had intended to retire the G and mm-hmm. they made the final edition G in 05 or 06 or whatever it was. Whoopsie. And then they realized <laughs> that there was had incredible cachet and brand equity and was printing cash. Uh, and so they decided to continue to make it and come out with another generation mm-hmm. of it afterwards, which True. I'm really thankful for. I, yeah. I like the G. I like that the G exists. I like that they did such a good job of preserving its identity. I like that the communication is too is bidirectional between car company and consumer. It's not always. It's almost always the car company tells the consumer what they're going to want and have and whatever, and they fail to adapt. And this was an example of them saying, oh, we didn't realize that you guys love this thing so much, we'll make you another one. And of course, they're tra- you know, it's a business decision. Well, the, the second part of that is the we'll make you another one is the part that's really extraordinary. Right. The other part is oftentimes, we didn't realize you re- love this thing so much. Well, that sucks. And then they move on. Yeah, like Cyan XB. Some garbage. I mean, think, think about, compare that and contrast the story of Cyan XB where the first generation was incredibly well loved. Everyone adored it and they changed the recipe for the second version because as Toyota does, they make it bigger and more mature. Um, nobody wanted it. And so they killed it off or even worse, Honda element, which they are still incredibly well loved or yeah, they're like FJ. Tw- 25 grand yeah. for, uh, if you get the desirable spec of an element right. with reason that it hasn't returned to the earth because someone drove it off of. Could you imagine a terrain? manual with like the city body kit or whatever that one was that, you know, the black body kit and whatever, yeah. there would be a fortune yeah. where what, the fuck is Honda doing not making one? Yeah. What is fucking Toyota doing not making an FJ Cruiser? I mean, these yeah, are especially and they, I mean, they, they persisted in doing the Tacoma and the Forerunner the way they have. But right. I mean, if they had done that also with additional products, you know, Land Cruiser seems like they're the new medium mm. Land Cruiser seems like maybe they're taking a page from that book, too. So right. hopefully the FJ Cruiser, they they could print quite a bit of cash if they decided to I think revisit this, that with the same level of cruiser is really $50,000 and with the round headlights. Oh my God, it looks so good. Yeah. They'll sell a shit ton of them. Yeah. But yeah. What the fuck is Honda doing? Not having an element. I mean, this is, those are examples of a, a unidirectional, you know, communications of where the car comes. It's very autocratic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and see how it's working out for them. Anyway, they're all doing great bastards. <laughs> Hello, next number. We lost him again. He's bored by us. <laughs> 833. 1833 is a camera. Ooh. This is interesting. Um, 2010 Nissan Armada Platinum. And that's a thing that's supposed to be like the QX56 that yes. you just... Yeah. I said, what the hell is this doing in these? So was it better as a Nissan? Engine makes beautiful noises and the old five-speed automatic surprises with its smoothness. Feels better damped than the QX56, though it's still a bit floaty. Feels very infinity, actually. Quite a nice interior. Long gearing and reluctant <laughs> downshifts make it feel lazy on the highway. And what I year was this? 2010. So this is shortly after the QX. <laughs> you have some internal inconsistency in your spreadsheet. <laughs> uh, consistently hit the steering wheel controls around turns. Yes, that was stupid because the channel button sticks out. So every time you turn the wheel, you change the channel. Uh, and the headlights stay on for what seems like forever after you get out. Middle row of seats, more trouble than it should be to fold. The rear most are easy. They're electric. Um Interesting. I feel feels very infinity on the interior, but the infinity felt very like Nissan. Nissan. So I guess it was halfway in between. Okay, good save. Okay. Uh, Eight thirty three for me. Oh, we just talked about this. Two twenty twenty one Mercedes G sixty three. Great car. 
yeah, I mean, it's shocking that something that looks like that uh, it can perform as well as it does. There's definitely a big dynamic change between the 463 and whatever the current generation is. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's. I'm just thankful that someone somewhere preserved something that was good. Yeah, I agree. I love that. All right. Even if the image of that, you know. You can't. I can't hate it for the people who buy it. I love yeah, it. That's fair. But I don't want to hang out in Beverly Hills. In a G wagon, which is what they all do. Mm-hmm. Next one. Ten forty one. Ten forty one. Uh oh. Um. Oh, did I? Did we do this one before? I feel like I might have shared this one before. Is it familiar to you? What is yours? No. Uh, mine is a twenty eleven BMW seven forty i. Twenty eleven seven forty i. So that's a lot of miles on this thing. Who needs 250 miles on it? Who needs the V8? I love this even better. Okay, it's not the fastest car in the world, but it's definitely fast enough and gets great gas mileage. 30 on the highway, even with only six gears. I'd take it over the 750i any day. Hmm. Okay. okay. Mine was a 1996 Porsche Carrera 4S Silver with a cedar green interior. Mm. And I think this car also had back seat delete. Uh, so it was kind of a, a weird mm. configuration. And if I remember correctly, the owner of the, the first owner of this car had ordered it or somehow got it. For, he was in California, but he bought it in Florida at Champion. And when he picked, he flew out there, picked it up and drove it home when it was brand new mm. and it had like kind of a lot of miles on it. And it was like a little bit rough, but had been used in, as a real car. So I just remember that story. It was someone who actually used the car and it was a weird configuration. Mm. I'm just annoyed that we did 1041 because 1040 was a Bugatti Veyron. Mm. And 1039 was a Bugatti Type 51. <laughs> and 1038 was a Veyron Grand Sport. We missed the whole Bugatti rally by one number. Paolo, you screwed up. Your, your what? Which has been granted, 1040. No. Are you kidding? No. <laughs> oh my God, 1040 just came up. Okay, well, 1040 is the Bugatti Veyron 16.4. Uh, I like it almost as much as the Grand Sport. I want the turbo noise. So the Grand Sport is a convertible and you hear the intakes... Uh, directly over your head uh there's not much noise here turbocharged thunder is all but fuck is this thing fast like a big audi riding in 28 inch wheels after a while and after a while you forget what it can do squeeze the throttle and holy shit you scare the fuck out of yourself totally boring and innocuous and yet the fastest car in the world uh kind kind of like mullins type 51 that's really cool so i compared it to the previous car that i drove which was uh, uh 1933 bugatti type 51 yeah uh, anyway. that's consistent with my this is a super sport this was a regular base, original base. A thousand horsepower car. A thousand horsepower car. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the Super Sports, I felt very differently about. Didn't yeah. ride poorly. Uh, um, it was harsh. It was harsher than I was expecting. I mean, nothing like the early cars. Oh, really? Yeah, the early cars, I mean, really just had dead steering. There was no payoff to the harshness. Yes, um, other the, than the keeping the tires together at 240 yeah. miles. Yep. That's so weird that that number came up. Either that or Paolo is lying to us. It's a good story. He's not lying? Wow. That's so crazy. Uh, for me, 1040 is another 993 Career 4S. But this one is, this was the Iris Blue one that I owned. It was this mm. thing. Um, this was before the, the check engine light issue with those cars was well understood. Uh, and I think they've now, now all been solved. The secondary air injection system uh, it would gum up. It was basically like an EGR problem that would happen with BMW diesels. You get carbon deposits and all the piping and all that shit anyway i just remember spending just months and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars chasing the the check engine light thing in this car 
to sell it after and it was it was dark blue metallic with a cashmere tan interior mm. with the hardback sport seats it was like a wonderful configuration i wanted to like the car but i hated it by the end of it because it just like bankrupted me and then i sold that damn car i sold for 40 grand because that's all those things were worth back then and now that i mean it had eighty thousand miles on it so that's now like a hundred and twenty five thousand oh. dollar car <laughs> so i lost a lot of money on that car and to those be different times. to be clear about this in california you cannot register the car if it's got a check engine light on yes so it's not Correct. like you know, I, I just was visiting my sister in another state and every one of the six cars in the driveway between her and the kids and our, our partner and everything, all of them had check engine lights on. And she's like, it's just an emissions thing. I had it checked or, you know, one of it's a knock sensor. Like they, they all have codes for something and no one gives a shit. Yeah. Because uh, they don't have emissions, emissions testing. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. Paolo is saying no more numbers. We've been cut off. We've been cut off. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> Thank Bye. you for joining us for this episode of the Car Margin Show. We'll do an occasional, um, an occasional random number generator car review. It's never it know fun. where it'll take us. No, it's fun for us. Hopefully, people enjoy I hope so. hearing what we have to say or getting some stories about how wonderful the Mark. What is that? Six Jetta. Seven. Seven oh, Jetta. The, the six Jetta was shit. The seven Golf was amazing. Yes, that was. I think the uh, the takeaway. The takeaway. Because the Mark 6 was actually Mark 5. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, thank you. Speaking or, of Mark 5, uh -oh. I bought a Mark 5 GTI. <laughs> yes. I was just going to ask you if you wanted to go uh, go half and half on that. So you bought it, the whole thing. Great. Yes. Um, we will talk more about that in a future episode. All right. And on that bombshell. Don't. You're not Jeremy Clarkson. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>